Hi, I'm Chrissy. And I'm Carrie. And we are Status Macabre. Welcome back. Yeah. And and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween-ish. It is October 31st. And it is a very spooky macabre. Status macabre, rather. <laughs> it's it's something. <laughs> We're back from our hiatus. Yeah, we took a, a good couple-ish thr- weeks off. I feel, yeah, we... Well, the last um, we left you guys, we were getting ready to get on our cruise. That's right. And our last episode was uh, Madame LaLaurie. L- yep. La LaLaurie. Yep. So that has been... It's been a couple... That's been yeah, two, two, three weeks. Yeah. yeah. So, so I hope everybody has um, stuck around to wait for us. And yeah. uh, we, we got some info about the crime cruise and some other things going on. So uh, let's let's get to it real quick on yeah. the uh crime cruise was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun it was very interesting and i think it was their first cruise that they yeah did. I, think, I think yeah there's, I had, there's a couple of kinks that need to be worked out yeah they did a really good job of mm-hmm. you know putting it together during the pandemic they had i think a couple of cancellations which was disappointing i'm sure for all of us yeah, I think Rody. I really wanted to see Rody. Yeah, Rody. <laughs> Rody uh, bailed for whatever personal reasons. I think. So I, you know, I I had heard something about his passport. Oh. But I don't take that with a grain of salt, really, just because I I also thought maybe there was something about the vaccine in there as well. So I don't know. Oh. I don't know truly what his reasons were. But he ended up doing a like a live podcast a few days after we got back. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so it all in all though, we had a great time. It was um, a lot of fun. I would I thought there was going to be more crime con attendees. Yeah, there there was uh, a couple of folks um that we had not met or or really even heard of for that matter. Um there was a uh, a detective, a cold case a detective named um Patty Tackett mm-hmm. and um she was really interesting. Yeah. And then um, there was also uh, Lisa Robokoff, and she um, was interesting as well. Yeah, she told us a lot about the um, lie detector, detectors. Right? Yeah. Yep, lie detectors, how to beat them. Um, so when we decide to, you know, lie about something, we know how now. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then Paul Holes, uh, he yeah. was he was very interesting. He he kind of told us about the. Um, a different um, serial killers that he had come in contact with, um, you know, just from crime scenes. And he had the best crime scene photos. Photos, yep. The, like he had legit crime scene photos that was, I mean, it was really cool. It's yeah. sad, of course, when anything like that has to happen or has happened. But hands down, they were pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and they did a really good job with, with, like, the programming. We attended not everything because... I, I mean, we were exhausted when we got on I was, that boat. We slept that first day and missed for, what, six hours? Six hours. We didn't even know we left the dock in Miami. We were, yeah, because we, we 
dicked around i think on the boat and and then we were like hey well, we uh maybe got up at like three whatever yeah. in the morning to catch a plane to miami and we were dead ass exhausted yeah. um by the time we got on the boat we had a drink i think and then we went and laid down no, we, and passed we were, the we were just out. dying for water oh yeah we just wanted water so the yeah. second we got on the boat nothing worked like our phones didn't work yeah we wanted water I think we got a cup of water or bottle of water. There ended up being three bottles of water in the room. Yep. And we were like, we're just going to take a quick nap. Yeah, we took a quick nap. And it was what? F- we missed our check-in. Yes, we did. We missed the four o'clock check-in, so we didn't get our badges or anything. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't remember what happened. Well, and then that. we went to the mixer. And oh, we met right. a lot of people. That was um, fun. We met a lot of people and introduced ourselves, so... Hopefully, we've got some new um, podcast listeners. Yeah, some friends and followers. And yeah. Everybody was really great. Yeah, so all in all, it was fun. Um, hopefully, uh, next year, um, some of the kinks will be worked out and, you know, we'll we'll be able to go again. So Hopefully, next year, there won't be a pandemic, too, because yeah. I, I, think, I think there were other people that actually backed out of the cruise, but bef- before last minute. Yeah. Um, but they still did what they could to... to to arrange the program schedule and it, it worked out well yeah so we a couple of shout outs um we went off the boat in nassau and went to a brewery yep uh, and pirate republic brewing company it was a great little brewery we spent probably four or five hours there um just <laughs> chilling out with um, the manager there, um, Sherry. Sherry. So, um, shout out to Sherry and and the brewery. Yeah, and I don't remember anyone else's name. I remember Sherry because it was you know. And the um, well, we also had the Tracy Morgan lookalike. I, yeah, but I don't remember his name. And I know feel horrible, but it was a lot of fun. We had so much fun. Yeah. Um, great beer, and good they, times. <laughs> we we stumbled back to the ship. Yep. And um, I think. We, it was delayed leaving because yeah. somebody got sick. Yeah, somebody fell or something. I somebody, they, they, and I think they ended up staying in Nassau. They yep. had to be taken to a hospital. We don't know what happened, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. We won uh, each, what, 75 cents? At yep, the... gambling. <laughs> Big money. Yep. Big money win. I'm pretty proud. <laughs> we, we did. We did some gambling. And, and just note for anyone who's going on a cruise without cash, do not use the ATM. Oh, yeah. It was $6. $6 and some Fee. change. I'm like, how? And for 20 bucks? No. I mean, how much money do you have to pull out of an ATM to make that worth it? Worth when it's a, a ripoff. It's yeah. a ripoff. I know. I pulled out 20 bucks and She made $26 and some change for $20. I know. I know. And then I went to the... <laughs> went to the ATM at... In, in it, Nassau. Yeah. And I got a... Oh, what was the bill? It wasn't an American dollar. It wasn't. Yeah, no. It was a Her Majesty Grace or whatever. It was a pretty, pretty hundred dollar bill. Yep. Um, but the guys are really great. They broke it. They gave me change back in U.S. currency. So. Yep. It was it was good deal. So, but yeah, we had a great time and I uh, can't wait to do it again. Um, we are definitely going to Crime Con in April, which is in Vegas, baby. Yes. Um, and so we're very excited about that. Um, so if you have not gotten your tickets, go online, uh, get, get your tickets. And they also have 
crime con in London. London. Yeah. And I'm still trying to figure out how to make it out there. Yeah, I know. But we, we have to talk about that, but it's yeah. June, um, coming up in June. And so trying to figure it out. Don't know. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but uh, the wheels are turning. Yep. And so what other, um, Oh, beer week. Yep. Beer week was this past week. So we got our name out there. Um, hopefully some of you were able to, um, drink some cool beer. Yeah. We stopped at a couple breweries. We didn't get to do everything because of our work schedule. We've taken time off. I know you and Mm -hmm. you know, Ryan just moved. So just a lot going on. There was so. so much going on. We've kind of popped into a couple different places and popped out yep. low key on the DL. Yeah, it was on the DL. But yeah, I hope hopefully um, everybody that went had a good time. And, you know, thanks to the folks that put everything together, um, it was a good time. Yeah, it was. It was. We've had a lot of fun the last few weeks, actually. Yeah. And so this week we are in the office and working. Um, the following week, we are at our favorite place in the world. Key West. We will be in Key West um, at the International Speedboat Races. Oh, my God. So um, we are looking forward to that. That's going to be a blast. And so we're going to do some recording um, in the graveyard. We're going to try to make yeah. that happen. We're bringing again. all of our equipment because I'm driving. My brother and I are driving driving down we're yep. leaving early saturday and so we'll bring everything we have we need to record and we're gonna try and try yeah. and make it happen in the graveyard because i think last time they shut the gates we were yeah it was really it was hard to to actually do that but um yeah so we're gonna meet up in miami drive yep. um to the keys and um yeah we're gonna do some recording so it'll be a lot of fun i can't wait um it will definitely be it'll be a great time so definitely have a lot going on yeah. um, coming up, but good times. Good times, exciting. And and also, too, one more thing. I know, I know you're really doing, ready to get in there. We also want to would like you guys' feedback on what you think um, upcoming travel should be. We were yeah, talking definitely. about first quarter next year. I mentioned Louisiana. I like. I would love to go to Louisiana. Yes, that is a. I think that's our top destination that we that we wanted to go to. So yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Um, okay. So yeah, um, I want to get into it. First, I want to introduce, we have a guest today, and you'll see why, Um, but um, we have Ed Peebles, a dear friend um, of both Carrie and I, so um, Ed is joining us, and um, he's going to tell us a little story after my story that kind of compiles. Don't don't get ahead of her story. (laughs) that, That proves... Um, and, and kind of, uh, gives a little bit of, um, backing to what we're going to talk about, um, which is like going to be a personal experience, a personal experience for, um, a UFO sighting. So, um, Sweet. so say hi, say hi, Ed. Well, hey y'all. I'm glad so, to be here. Thanks there for it is. Me. Yeah. And so he's, he's a little country. So, um, and it's, and, and I gotta be honest with you, Chrissy didn't mispronounce his name. It's not Ed, it's Ayed. It's Ayed. Yeah. So when he says, I'm also known as Grits, by the way. Yeah. So we will not hurt that. Yeah. We'll tell, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later, but first we don't want to give away all the goods too early. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to make them hang up. Yeah. So hang up. (laughs) You mean hit pause or or stop? Whatever the hell you do with these things. Next podcast, please. (laughs) 
Pandora, like Pandora, you give a thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> there you go. All right. So um, before we dive in, though, um, I just I want to start with the kind of the dumbest crime of this the week. This is crazy. Yeah. Um, I got this from the New York Post, and this lady was caught orange-handed. A woman was busted for home invasion in Oklahoma, thanks in part to Cheeto dust um, found in her teeth, authorities <laughs> allege. So this woman, her name is Sharon Carr. She was arrested on a first degree burglary charge after allegedly committing um, a, the dangerously cheesy act Friday at a home in Tulsa. And cops said... They arrived at the home on a Friday night where a mom of two young kids had called 911 to report that another lady had pried a screen off her window and gotten inside. And do, well, I'll let you finish. And so the snack loving sneak had already fled, but cops say they found, quote, a bag of Cheetos and a bottle of water on the floor near that open window. End quote. You, you need water to wash down that dry, powdery. Well, yeah, crap. you got to. I guess you got to clean your teeth, right? Is, some of us do. They walk around with orange teeth all the time. Right. A few seconds later, however, Carr allegedly emerged from the shadows. Police told this news station, um, which was KTUL, that she kind of popped out of the out of the bushes. Um, the She's mom, a terrible, the mom, terrible suspect. <laughs> the mom ID'd her as the invader, and and the bust was further cemented when they found the incriminating orange snack food residue still stuck in Carr's teeth. You said she's Oklahoma, right? Yeah. Well, they got orange teeth by nature out there. Don't. Now you're going to offend our Oklahoma <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Cops think she dropped. Wait, status macabre cannot be held responsible for the things that Ed says. Just that's very. That's Ed. <laughs> All complaints go to Ed Peebles. Send it to Dad. Dot com. Yeah. <laughs> but um, cops think she dropped the bag while she was making her escape. Quote, a good reminder that Cheeto dust can be pretty hard to get rid of. End quote. Um, so those of you who eat Cheetos before you do anything bad, maybe think about brushing your teeth or maybe drinking a whole lot of water afterward. People don't think, well, one, if I don't think you think much if you're going to commit any, any crimes like this, right? But people really have no idea what can be used to incriminate them. Right. Like in this Case story. Case in point. Cheetos. And I have a friend and I love him to death. I'm going to go ahead and say his name, Pat. Um, we were talking this last week and I don't know how we got on the subject, but we're true crime aficionados, right? So right. we talk a lot about this sort of thing. And he was going, basically saying that, well, you know, you can't be convicted if there's no body. I'm like, yeah, yes, you can. You can. <laughs> He's like, I, I, and we went back and forth. He's why well, I, I, I agree. I said, you Google it. You do whatever research. I, said, I don't know if you know what I do. Circumstantial evidence. <laughs> right? Like, and I don't get paid for this. Right. But uh, we have a true crime, true crime podcast, Patrick. I know, like, yeah, all right, so, Pat, yep. yeah. do, do gooder. Pat, we're going to need you to come on and, and give you a reason. He went down a whole list of things, of things that he would do. And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. You'd get caught. Here's why. You'd get caught. Here's why. <laughs> said, well, how would I? I said, well, you won. wouldn't want to have this conversation over a phone. Right. That's your first mistake. <laughs> and he's probably got Cheetos while he's you probably, know, eating the yeah. Cheetos while he's talking. <laughs> Cheeto crumbs or Chipotle, because I think he works at Chipotle, right? Chipotle, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chipotle yeah, yeah, yeah. bits. Anyway. All right. So let's get into the story. Um... Yeah. We are talking today about 
UFO alien abductions. Now, we have switched this up because we didn't really talk about this before we're getting into it. So what I did that I don't think I've ever done before is actually read. (laughs) Yeah, Carrie went through and read the the episode because, you know, if there's any questions, make sure we're more aligned. We're kind of going through some growing pains. Yes. Yes. And Ed just got smacked if you guys heard that. Ed's playing with things on the desk that he shouldn't be. Yeah, let's don't go there. And so. It's a wide open statement. This is, just, there's no toys in here for you. I know when he's starting to fidget. And so. Yeah. It, so anyway, I, I, I read it. And I got to say, you guys, this is a very, very interesting. I had never heard of this story. I, which, me either. Me either. Um, actually, and Ed is the one. Um. That brought it up. So Ed is also our one of our content creators on our our, our um, website. So um, he's always looking for um, stuff to put in our website. So um, he actually came up with a story. So thanks, Ed. Thanks, Ed. Glad I can help. All right. So um, UFOs are just a highly debated topic and something I've always been very fascinated with. Now, do you believe in them, though? Um, yes. My, my dad absolutely 100% does. Yes, I absolutely 100% believe. Um, and, and my fascination goes, you know, as far back as I, I can remember. And it seems like almost everyone has a story where they think they saw something in the sky or, you know, has a picture or, you know, something. I mean, I can't say that I have one, but, um, I've, it, but I've seen evidence myself, uh, you know, from videos and photos, yeah. um, of objects in the sky that, you know, make it hard to deny that we're the only ones in the universe. But today I want to focus on alien abductions just because I find them fascinating. Um, And the subject is just highly debatable. And I personally, um, a little bit on the fence as to whether or not folks who claim to be abducted are really telling the truth or they're just trying to get some attention. Five minutes of fame. I don't know. Um, I don't know what you guys believe, but Ed, do you believe in abductions? Abductions? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I share the same view on UFOs. I think you're stupid if you think we live in this universe by ourselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I um, I don't want to offend my biblical people out there. (laughs) (laughs) Abductions, I don't, I mean. I find it a little hard to believe. It's a little, it's a little hokey for me, but I'm open. Yeah. You know? Open-minded. Open-minded. Like, I definitely, definitely my dad used to, my dad would watch anything UFO growing up. Yeah, mine too. He likes that. All of that stuff. And he's like, kind of like the mindset of you. He's like, you're stupid if you think there's not anything else out there. absolutely. Um, So. Well, this is the story of Barney and Betty Hill. And um, it was September 19th, 1961, when Betty and Barney Hill drove down a country road in New Hampshire's White Mountains. They were all alone, uh, not a car in sight for miles, when a strange light in the sky appeared and seemed to follow them. It was hours later when they returned home, unable to account for time. They, they seemed to have lost time. Betty's dress was ripped. Their watches had... Cl- Sounds like a Friday night. I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I digress. Their watches had quit ticking, like working all together, and Barney's shoes were all scuffed up. They couldn't remember what had happened during the drive to their Portsmouth home. 
and you know what exactly happened right seeking the help of a psychiatrist the couple went under hypnosis and to try and recover their memories they told a story of a gray alien beings with large almond eyes who had walked both betty and barney into what they called a disc shaped ship that was ginormous it was huge Upon entering, they were examined extensively, and their memories were erased. Now, I would be, I would be on anxiety overload if oh, I. Oh, you definitely. Uh, I yeah. mean, could you? But I think I would too. Oh, I think yeah. I would be freaked. I'd freak, I'd be so freaked out and, because okay, nineteen sixty one. So yes, there's yes. not like you can pick up your cell phone and <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. So this encounter would kick off an Air Force inquiry. Um, which was part of a secret initiative, um, Project Blue Book is what it was called, um, that investigated UFO sightings across the country. So, were these people nuts? Were they liars? Were they needing attention or just sleep deprived, um, whose memories just kind of got crisscrossed? So, we're gonna, we're, this is what we're gonna talk about. So, Barney and Betty were just really quiet people. Uh, Barney worked the night shift at the post office, driving 60 miles each way, which kind of sucks. I mean, we're talking 1960. And that was uncomfortable. Well, I don't know. Maybe the seats were way more comfortable back then. It was like in a Chevy Bel Air. Yeah. They probably were riding in like... Fine vehicle. Fine vehicle. vehicle. Yeah. Fine vehicle. Mind you, Ed Ed knows about the 60s. Continue your story, please. (laughs) (laughs) Betty was employed as a social worker, and they were both very active in their church and were members of the NAACP. Um, And that's because Barney was black. Um, Betty was white. They were an interracial couple at a time when it was not kosher or even common um, to be an interracial couple in the United States. And they were in New Hampshire. Yeah, so... I yep. would imagine. Well, there are only six people in New Hampshire now. So. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, so, I mean, definitely not like it would have been here in the, in the, yeah. Bible Belt in the South, but still probably, like you say. Yeah, it was probably a little bit more open. But not as common as it is definitely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, um, they were both stressed and um, they both spontaneously made the decision to take a trip to just get away from it all. Um, The impromptu adventure had them leaving their home in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and they were going to drive through Montreal to Niagara Falls. Um, They had only been married about 16 months, and they thought of this trip as just kind of a delayed honeymoon. Their decision to leave was so spontaneous, in fact, that they hadn't even made it to the bank before it closed, and they only left with about $70 in their pockets. And this is before the time of credit cards. So what they had in their pockets was literally like everything that they had. Yeah, so the equivalent of $70 in the 1960s, I just did a quick Google search because this is the kind of shit that... Oh, I love that, yep. ...is about... um, it would have the purchasing power of about six hundred and forty-eight dollars today, is what this snap says. Yeah, well, gas wasn't but a nickel a gallon back then. Yeah, yeah and like, yeah. Well, I don't remember, right? Clearly, I wasn't there, but I, I, my well, grandpa used to talk about it. <laughs> sure, Ed. pretty, pretty. Wait, I'm pretty we, sure we, you we, were there. Uh, yeah, we, we feel pretty <laughs> sure. So, 
Um, oh, that's a lot of money, though. Yeah. So in cash wise. So, so I mean, the fact that they had seventy dollars in their pocket was like, geez, that's, that's pretty good. I don't know. Did they even have checks back then, Ed? Did you write a check back know. then? <laughs> Look at it. Actually, yes, they do. Yeah, well, yes, they do. Or your money. Or you not? How old were you in nineteen sixty one? Uh, what month of 1961? He was six. I turned six in November of 61. Okay, so you were too young to really... I don't remember my mom having a checkbook. I remember everything was done with cash. Yeah, because I, I remember we were looking through some of your old stuff in, in your garage um, because I do his family tree, and so I'm looking at old pictures and whatnot, and we did find some uh, money orders. Yeah, remember, we there, there were some money orders. So I don't... Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know that they were actually checks. Interesting. Back then. I don't remember. So, I don't remember. so they, they, they definitely had some money to have a good yeah. time. We're, we're focusing on a $70. So yeah. let's move on. It yeah. was, so it was around 10.30 p.m. on September 19th while driving through the mountains that Betty notices a bright light in the sky that moved from below the moon um, and Jupiter upward to the west of the moon so it was kind of darting through the sky if you can kind of imagine you see the moon you see this light and it's just kind of darting around i have questions yes go ahead who figured out it was jupiter well i think I jupiter that too. <laughs> yeah so i think well if you know where jupiter is in the sky um it's you know, kind of below well, no, the moon. No, but but these folks we have. would know that, but uh, I, well, I, I was wondering if they yeah. figured it out later on when the other yeah. Guy so oh, some of that, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So you, well, I think it kind of comes out a little bit right. more. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. So you didn't these folks do not read it, so you you don't know. Well, <laughs> no, but I will say um, Barney was very familiar with the night sky, um, and. And did do a lot of plane watching. Right. Um, so he may have known. And Jupiter, if you know, and if you guys um, look at the... I use Sky Guide, which is an app on your phone, but yeah. which is awesome. But Jupiter is very bright. Um, and especially at that time of year, uh, at my parents' house, um, beach house, we'd sit on the deck and you can see Jupiter. Um, mm. We actually pulled it up on the telescope. And, but it, it was probably one of the brightest stars in the sky it is probably the brightest one yeah so now i want to kind of set the stage um here for everybody so you know everybody can get and and come to their own conclusions in the end as to what you think might have happened but this quick trip and i say quick trip i mean it was only several days but they go to montreal and back um, through Niagara Falls, and that total amount was like eleven and a half hours one way. Like I looked at it. West. Yeah, and 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 mind you, I don't know what the speed limits were back then, but I I guarantee you they probably weren't eighty seventy five. I don't think the car would go that fast. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say I don't know that it, cars went that fast, but you know they were pushing to get back home on like day three because there was an impending um, hurricane, which was actually. Um, Esther, I looked it up, and it was um, Esther was headed up the coast, and it was going to hit New England. And that's not something that they probably would have had notice of days in advance like we do now. So yeah. for you listeners who are like, well, why did they even go on this trip to begin yeah, with? Yeah, they did not. Keep in mind, it's 1961, yeah. and they they probably just were like, hey, there's a hurricane coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they actually heard on the news or the weather that it was, com- you know, it was getting closer. Yeah. And so they were like, we got to get the hell home. Well, 
Betty and Barney did stop on the way to have a quick cup of coffee in Vermont, and they left a di the diner that they were at around 10, 10 o'clock. Barney estimated that they should make it back to their house in New Hampshire around like 2, 3 in the morning. All that said, you know, one could conclude, and I kind of come to this conclusion as well, that, you know, these folks were exhausted. Um, and that may have played a part in what they think they saw and what may have happened. But again, want everybody to come to their own conclusions. So back to betting, she thinks she's watching a shooting star now that's moving north to south. Um, but it's starting to move erratically and grow bigger and brighter. So Betty asked Barney to stop so she could get out of the car for a closer look and also to let their dog, Delcy, out for a bio break. Are you laughing at the name Delcy? <laughs> Never heard it. I know. That was a different one for me, too. Well, Barney pulls over to the side of the road at a scenic picnic area just south of Twin Mountain in New Hampshire. Barney is a World War II vet um, and an avid plane watcher, like I said. So he seems to think there's nothing to worry about. It's probably just the satellite that went off course. That's so calm of him. <laughs> yeah, I think that. he was a very to try to calm, calm his wife down, I yes. guess. I think, and based off of what I've I've um, heard and read, he's he was a pretty calm, serious kind of guy. Well, Betty, wanting reassurance, pulls out a pair of binoculars and sees that this really white light. This damn woman came prepared. I know. She? Well, she I got guess. binoculars. I got like yeah. a stargazer I chart. thought that too. And I'm guessing, you know, who knows what they were going up to the mountains to do, right? So. Well, and mind you. They weren't. She didn't have a stargazer. She I, I just. Was being sarcastic. Oh, okay. 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 I just want to make sure everybody's aware. Well. You know, she's got these um, binoculars. Um, she sees this white light, and, and it's an object spinning in the air. And so she tells Barney he's a damn fool if he thinks it's a satellite. And I'm laughing because, so I, I just to give you guys a little bit of, of um, you know, I, I, I looked several stories of this, but I was also listening to a book on tape, which I do a lot of times for my episodes, um, and it's in it's called Captured. Um, and essentially, it's just a book about Betty and, and Barney and what they saw. But a lot of times, Betty would say in this book, you damn fool, you know, Barney, you damn fool. And it reminds me of something somebody would totally say, say in like the that? 60s. And it was very, you know, in my own head, it was like so theatrical. You damn fool. And so anyway, I, I think. I Catherine Hepburn. You, you damn fool. You damn fool. Anyway, so he said, she says, you're crazy. This is, is not a satellite. Now, Barney has an IQ of 140. This man is considered genius level. It's going to take a little bit more than this probably to rock the boat for him. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and and he's a very pragmatic person who wouldn't give UFOs a second thought. So I find it interesting that when Betty tells him, nah, dude, this is not a satellite, he actually is like... Yeah, I, I, I think I believe you right now. I would imagine however long it took for her to get the binoculars, probably mm -hmm. several seconds, maybe a minute, yep. I don't know. He's probably seen just enough 
to go, okay, this is not. This is not, and I got this chills. This is not quite right. Yeah, because he's like, yeah, you know what? I don't think this is Get in the car. Let's get the hell out of here now. <laughs> exactly. I would smack her. It was, your, it was your idea to stop here anyway. Get the fuck in the car. <laughs> well, in fact, he's getting a little concerned. Um, as they watched the bouncing light in the sky, it was almost as if it was toying with them. And only about 100 feet above their 1957 Chevy Bel Air. And it covered the entire view of the windshield. So, you're, th- I mean, imagine you're in this car, you're in a big ass Bel Air, the windshield's huge, right? You can see over the hood you know, the hood of the car, and you see this giant disc 100 feet in the air, and it's covering the windshield. I mean, I would be terrified. I would be terrified. I know you're looking at me like, would you not be scared? I might be a little nervous. I mean, I'm, I'd be like, what the hell? I might piddle a little bit. Yeah, you might have a little bit of seepage there. <laughs> <laughs> well, leaving Betty in the car, Barney grabs his pistol. And As he, every man should do. Exactly. Well, he had brought his pistol anyway. You never know what's going to happen. Well, let me get this straight. We're going to the mountains. It's the middle of the night. No. You, you got your binoculars and your pistol. And, and who? what comes next? Uh, uh, well, I mean, he's going to start, yeah, well, hang on to your butts. You got a big net to catch alien in. <laughs> so he grabs his pistol from under the seat. And he runs into a dark field wondering what the hell he's looking at. Like, what the hell am I looking at? It's just as big as a jet, but as round and flat as a pancake. So he's really like, what the fuck? He's got his pistol handy. He's got one hand on his binoculars, one on his pistol. And Barney, having taken the binoculars from Betty, Betty, he's now able to see the details of the ship. He claims to see about 8 to 11 humanoid figures that are standing in the window of this flying disc. At this point, Barney is scared shitless and he tries to reach for his gun, but his arm's not working. Like he's just, you know, I can imagine he's probably got it tucked in his pants. Like, he's like, shit, my, my, my arm's just not working. What, what did this man think would happen if he whips out his pistol, he pops on these aliens in the head? What does he think the rest well, of the buddies are going to do? He clearly, this, I, I mean, this wasn't something that's a phenomenon scary, that like they're t- used to having back then, right? Like right. we hear... I mean, you hear about him pretty often now. Yeah, yeah. But back then, I, he probably had no idea. No idea what was. And going he's got to try and do something. Yeah. Even with his little six shooter, his little pop his gun. Little six <laughs> right? What is he called? A pew pew. A pew pew his gun. Pew, pew. Yep. His pew pew gun. So now, whether or not you know his arm's not working due to fear or because the aliens had some kind of mind control thing going on, I don't know. But he does say he hears a voice telling him, "Quote." Stay where you are and keep looking, end quote. Which, I'm sorry, if, if somebody's like saying that and I can hear it in my head, I, I, I'm i going to be... You're frozen in fear. I'm frozen you, in fear yeah. at that point. <clears throat> Have you ever been frozen in fear where you, you know that you need to move to save your life, but you can't? It happened to me one time. It I was, was going to say, thing. the only time I remember being so scared and I feel bad was remember when you and I were on the ship um, in Key West and you were like, oh my God. And I saw the crow in the in the corner and I ran and hauled ass. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, that I was, was funny. I, I, yeah, it was, it to- was ridiculous actually. I, it was ridiculous, but I was frozen in fear. And then it turned out to be a stuffed crow 
And I don't know what I thought it was. You were pointing. Because it was, it was the middle of the day. Fa- yes, but your face was like, holy shit. I think what it startled that? maybe me and... Oh, oh my God. It scared the shit out of you. It scared yeah. the shit out of you. And I'm, I'm ashamed to say, yes, I was frozen in fear. But She then, ran. She was not frozen in fear. And then I literally just <laughs> hauled ass. Hauled ass. <laughs> It was, that was it, funny. It was funny. But anyway, yeah. So to answer your question, I that was the only time I in my like recent history that I remember being frozen in fear. Um yeah, I've ha- I had a moment where there was somebody in my house. Holy fuck. In the house and I was I I could not move. I was and in my head is telling me roll over do, I and it was middle of the night i could not who the hell was it it's a long story that i don't think we need to get into on this podcast but we'll talk about that later (laughs) anyway yeah it's it's a legitimate i don't i don't know not everybody would experience that no your mind and your brain is like telling you this could potentially save your life do it but your body's like i can't move you can't move well maybe there's a conflict there in your head versus your body yeah fight or flight thing so maybe that was similar to what what he was he was going through yeah right well, I know I would be. I would oh. just be standing there and staring at the ship. Like, what the fuck? I feel like I probably would do the same thing. Like, all right, well, just whatever. I guess I'm not moving. Beam so me up, beam Scotty. Me up, Scotty. All right, yeah. <laughs> okay. Next. We <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so right now, the ship is 50 to 80 feet overhead. But still, it's like 300 feet away. So it's still in the windshield, but it's 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 coming lower, you know, down. And Barney is, you know, Barney's thoughts are freaking him out. And so he's thinking that they're here to capture him and Betty. And so he loses his shit and he's running. He's running. He takes off. He throws himself into the car and he and Betty make a dash for it. So they're in the car, they're barreling down the road, and I can't imagine what they're thinking. But it's as they make their way down the highway that Betty and Barney begin to hear like this rhythmic beep sound that it's like coming from the trunk of their car. And they also begin feeling like this tingling sensation pass through their bodies. The experience seemed to be dulling their minds and causing them to feel drowsy and just lose consciousness. So at this point, I mean, what can you do? Uh, nothing. It's like, you <laughs> wonder, like, can you, do you know what's going on? I, I don't even know, but they're probably, I don't know. It's maybe that dull hum, hypnotic sound that makes them sleepy, I guess, maybe. But it's around dawn that the Hills finally returned to their home. They're at home. They knew that there was some time missing, um, given that they had expected to be, you know, back at their house in Portsmouth around two or three. But when they came to, it was later than two and three already where they were and 35 miles further down the road than when they remembered before they lost consciousness. So they're, you know, at two or three in the morning, they should have been home. They're not. They're on the dirt road and 35 miles further, which is kind of fucking weird. 
They also had some weird feelings that they couldn't explain. Betty insisted that her luggage stay near the back door rather than in the main part of the house. And weirdly enough, their watches had stopped working and would never, ever work again. Yeah, that would be nuts. And then... This is my favorite watch. I know, <laughs> right? And Barney's... That would be my luck. The only time I could afford a Rolex. And then... <laughs> I know, it just stopped working stop altogether. Working. And Barney's best dress shoes, um, which we talked Probably about... Probably only had one pair in the exactly. 60s, poor guy. And they were all scuffed up. Um, and he has no idea why they were scuffed up. And the strap to his binoculars were torn. Um, and he didn't remember tearing them at all. And he also felt compa- compelled to examine his genitals, um, but found nothing yeah, strange. Yeah, I'll do a nut check after, <laughs> after the alien abduction. That's right in the book. Check your nut checks. No, it's in the handbook. It says, check first your thing, balls. check nuts. Check. Good grief. You, is there like a checklist? Yeah, it's a checklist. It's like a landing checklist. You know, you're just back from the alien abduction, check your nuts, check your butt, you know. <laughs> Make sure there's nothing crammed in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make sure there's nothing let's, crammed in look, it. Look, let's have aliens are perverts. I've read enough about this stuff. Clearly, tell if you if you feel like you have to check your genitals, I I don't know that I've ever. Maybe he had a proud like, package. You just wanted to make sure it was still intact. Maybe I don't know that I've ever felt like. Well, I got it. Better check my ball balls <laughs> or my butthole. I don't. I don't know that I've ever had a situation like that where I've needed to. to you were like, I'm, let me check my. But JJ. I started to say, I wouldn't expect you to She's say, all good. check my ball. <laughs> Genitals, my, my area, my no-no zone. My no-no square. My no-no square. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so, so on back the- Back on track. Yeah, back on track. So on the trunk, I'm sorry, so Betty's dress, actually. We'll talk about the trunk in a minute. But Betty's dress was ripped at the hem and um, along with the zipper and the lining. It sounds like a bad night at the bar. Right? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's a Friday I mean, night. Come on, man. Your shoes they, scuffed I, up. You don't remember anything. They probably got into <laughs> some trouble. Dress, dress is all ripped up. Right. They probably got into some trouble. They planned this to have an alibi in case they got caught. <laughs> there you go. Well, what, <laughs> probably killed a man in a bar. Maybe. <laughs> what was strange, though, was that Betty noticed when hanging up her dress that there was a, this strange pink dust. Cheetos. So pink Cheetos. It could have been Cheetos. That's a good. Did they make pink Cheetos back then? The first thing that came to my mind. But she hangs the dress outside on the clothesline, at which point the wind blew the dust away. Now, why Betty didn't try and preserve the pink powder is beyond me, because to me, I would have been like, all right, look, something weird fucking happened. I would have probably had the... Thought, I'm gonna put this in a plastic bag or something. I, I can, I, I don't can know. Kind of see maybe being just, just disoriented and oh maybe, and, right? Because she didn't yeah. want the luggage completely inside the house, true, right? True. She's probably all spaced out. Yeah, she, literally. And then she's kicking herself later, right? Oh, like, oh, definitely. I should have saved that dust. Somehow. Exactly. Yeah, because then, in fact, there were many, many, many tests. Um, that were done on her dress after the fact. But um, at this point, the powder's gone, um, and so she doesn't have it. So she decides to keep the dress, though. Because um, she was go. she was going to throw it away, but she, she kept it. Um, they also both drew from memory um, pictures of what they thought they had observed. 
Um, but to their dismay, neither of them could remember anything that happened after the buzzing began. So remember, they hear this buzzing in the back of their and car, and they're like, yeah, but they could not get past the fact that, okay, there was buzzing, and now I don't remember shit. So on the trunk of the car, they also noticed this, these, these really shiny um, concentric circles that had not been there prior to the incident. They decided to experiment with a compass, um, observing the needle rapidly spinning when getting close to the circle. So well, that's interesting. I yeah. don't think I would have been like, let's Ooh, grab a compass. Let's grab a compass. I mean, but they're in the 60s. But that's that's the time You frame. know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I would have thrown all kind of, th- I would have gotten a magnet. Bad idea. Though. Yeah. I probably should order a compass off Amazon. And then what? Just walk Just around the case. house. Just in case we have an alien abduction. <laughs> Never know. Carrie's like, it. wait. Let's break out the compass. You never know. <laughs> Always be prepared. I knew this would come handy one day. I knew it. So it's on September 21st, 1961. After talking with her family and worrying about radiation, Betty decides to call the Peace Air Force Base to report her UFO encounter. But for fear of being labeled like a quack and a kook, she decided to leave some key details out of the story. The next day, Major Paul W. Henderson called the Hills back to talk with them about the experience. And on September 26th, he provided a report that was then forwarded to Project Blue Book, which again, as I said earlier in the uh, beginning, it was code name for the study of UFOs back in the 50s and the 60s. Basically, Major Henderson believed that Betty and Barney Hill had mistaken the planet Jupiter for the UFO. Rough night tomorrow. Yeah, but that's you know, how... They, they definitely are, and sorry to interrupt, but they definitely are like a, and this is going to sound terrible, but I'm going to say it, they are like an an upscale-looking couple. Absolutely. Like, they're not, they're not grimy or drug addicts. They no, look, no. They look like... He looks very intelligent. Extremely. He looks literally just how you describe... She looks older than he does. So yeah, and, and I think she might be a couple years older, but not much. Um, but yeah, he... Um, they look like a smart, well-rounded couple. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. I think the interesting... You know, if this had happened... And I always go back to the Saturday Night Live skits, you know, where... Um, What's her name? Um, have y'all seen those where they're, you know, it's, um, what's Use the, your words. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't think of her name. Kate McKinnon. And she ends up being like this. She's smoking a cigarette and she is just like redneck as they come. And she's with these other two people. And she's like, the alien was in my lap and he was humping me. And like, she talks about Missed her. that one. Oh my God. You have to look it up. Yeah. If you guys don't know, look up SNL, alien abduction. It's freaking hilarious. I'll check that one out. But yeah, these people are totally not Kate McKinnon. Um, yeah. These people are super, <laughs> well, very upstanding citizens. <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, it, I guess it's judgy to say, but there's a yeah. lot really that goes into that. Absolutely, I agree. Um, so yeah, they're they're you're, they're. I think they're a little dismayed by the fact that you know you have this you know Air Force major saying, "No, y'all were looking at Jupiter." Instead yeah. of the spinning disc that they yeah. swear that they saw. I, and I would be a little pissed. Yeah. And I'm sure 
they were like, yeah, they were okay. Yeah, whatever. They were not satisfied with the finding, um, needless to say. So Betty goes to the library and checks out a book on UFOs and wrote to the author, who was a retired Marine Corps major, and his name is Donald E. Keyhole. Now, Keyhole was also head of a group called NICAP, and it is a civilian UFO research group. And in the letter, Betty included all of the details that she had already, you know, left out when she had spoken to Henderson. She put everything in there. She, I think at that point she was like, screw it. I, you know, it's not UFO. It's not Jupiter. Maybe if she had done, although probably would have been the same result, right? Yeah. I I think, you know, and it's the research that I did. It almost seems like, you know, while there was this, you know, uh, 50s and 60s decade research into UFOs, it's almost like when people came forward, they were like, no, 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 that's not true. Yeah. It's, I don't understand what the purpose of the, you know, research group would be if you're just going to say, no, nah, that was Jupiter or no, nah, that was just a, a dove who got shot and spinning through the air. I don't, you know, or no, that was a, you know, what do you call those little, I used to have one of those, birdie, those little. Oh, the whirly gig. What do they call it? Whirly gig. Whirly gig. A tilt a a whirl? That's a a ride at the fair. Oh yeah, my bad. (laughs) Squirrel. Yeah. (laughs) So, so anyway, um, but yeah, so she, she also though, in her um, letter, she indicated that she and Barney were considering hypnosis to regain memories of their missing time. Because I think for me, that would be the biggest freak out for me is the fact that I am missing all of this damn time. What the hell happened during that time frame that I don't remember? Particularly if your dress is torn, you got pink powder on it. <laughs> right? It could be like dried lubricant from the Rough Rider pink condom, you know? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Leave it dead. <laughs> well, so Betty's letter was eventually passed over to a Walter Webb, and he's a Boston astronomer and also a NICAP member. Webb met with the Hills on October 21st, 1961, and in a six-hour interview, the Hills related all that they could remember of the UFO encounter. Barney asserted that he had developed some sort of mental block and that he suspected there were some portions of the event that he did not wish to remember. That's fair. Yeah, I think, you know, your mind does things so to, you know, save, safety mechanisms. Safety mechanism, right? Yep. But he described in detail all that he could remember about the craft and the appearance of these, you know quote unquote, somehow not human figures um, aboard the craft. Webb stated that, quote, they were telling the truth and the incident probably occurred exactly as reported, except for some minor uncertainties and technicalities that must be tolerated in any such observations where human judgment is involved. Example, exact time, length of visibility, apparent sizes of objects, occupants, distance, and height of the object, etc. End quote. It was shortly thereafter, it was approximately like 10 days, that Betty started having these really extremely vivid dreams. Um, they started in f- like just five successive nights and then abruptly stopped. So she had dreams night after night after night for five nights. To her, the dreams were extremely real real, and had to be repressed memories of what she had experienced on the spacecraft. So she just began writing down all of these dreams. 
In her dreams, there were humanoid beings with black hair, dark eyes, prominent noses, and bluish lips. Their skin color was a grayish kind of hue to it. She and Barney, um, she said, were led into a disc-shaped spacecraft. And upon entry, Betty and Barney were separated. And they were told by this quote-unquote leader that if they did the exam together, it would take longer. Uh, Betty also dreamt that an examiner, who she described as being calm and nice, um, tried speaking to her in broken English. He laid her on a table and took hair clippings, toenail and fingernail clippings, and also shaved skin cells off onto a piece of what looked like cellophane. The examiner also tested her nervous system by jabbing a long needle into her belly button, which caused her extreme pain. But before it could get worse, he waved a hand over her eyes and the pain went away. So it's almost like she had like this amniocentesis situation going on where I don't know if he was testing her innards, uterus. I don't know what he's testing, but not at the belly button. Yeah, I, either way, I'd be... Well, I mean, he's, it says he's testing her, uh, where did it say, nervous system? Yeah, it said, I mean, like, her nervous system yeah. is what she, she said she remembered. Maybe she just got hysterical and he's going to give her a pelvic massage to calm her down. Well, that That's did gross. happen. That's gross. <laughs> that is gross. I don't know. But once the examiner was done, Betty became engaged in conversation with this leader, She had picked up a book that contained different symbols and the leader told Betty she could take it with her as proof as to where she had been. She also asked where they were from, to which the leader pulled out a star map and pointed to one of the stars. Now, I will post pictures um, and we'll post pictures on um, Facebook and uh, Instagram and we can put them on the website. But yeah, if you look up the star chart, um, there are some stars on there and it'll, it'll make a little bit more sense. But as they're being escorted off the ship, the, this leader requested the book um, back from Betty saying that he had made a big mistake um, and that saying she could keep it, it needed to stay with the crew. So she didn't get to take it with her. I got a quick question. Yeah. They're communicating in what language? So, and and for her, interesting that you say that, she said that she had this conversation and the guy was like saying kind of broken English. Okay. But okay. when we get to Barney, it'll be a little bit different. Okay. So, um, but, you know, after the exam, her and Barney were both escorted uh, to their car and told to watch the craft leave. So... Now, I just want to remind everyone that what I just described was a dream. This is what came from Betty's head. I mean, this is what she... After she had had these dreams. After she had had these... Uh, yep. And, oh, and did she have the same dream every night? I don't, um, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, but she, her dreams were very vivid. And it. I think she tried to piece together what she could remember of her dream. So yeah. um, I, I she may have filled in the gaps there a little bit. I mean, I think as humans, you know, we probably are, are looking to fill in gaps. So who knows if some of that stuff really happened? I don't know. But um, but Betty did feel as though the dreams were very real and, you know, that she just suppressed everything that she remembered and it was just coming out in her subconscious during her dreams. Um, so in the upcoming months, Barney and Betty, 
um, make multiple trips to the White Mountains looking for clues or anything to help spark their memories because, you know, they just can't remember what's going on or what happened during that time frame that they were missing. That would be some shit I would do. Let's, let's do it again. Yep, but we're going go back. back. We're going back. Well, unfortunately, the trips were unsuccessful. Barney, at this point, had developed an ulcer, um, and he began struggling with his self. Uh, I think this was just it's so agonizing and like just trying to remember you're, you're killing yourself. It's your anxiety. So in November of 1962, when the Hills heard a guest speaker at their church that um, had talked about hip hypnosis, they approached him wanting additional information. Now, the speaker was just an amateur hypnotist and declined to hypnotize them, saying that they needed to be careful when looking for someone to help them uncover their memories. So he ends up referring them to a man named Benjamin Simon out of Boston, Massachusetts. And Simon believed that this so-called encounter was causing Barney a lot of undue stress. So Simon at the time wasn't really sure whether or not to believe him, but he wanted to help him um, because, you know, Barney's just struggling with his health. So the hypnosis sessions began and then they lasted for about six months. So Simon begins by hypnotizing Betty and Barney separately. So they couldn't overhear each other's stories. And then at the end of each session, he'd reinstate amnesia. And the reason Simon did this was to ensure that Betty and Barney were protected from further trauma because, you know, if you remember something and, and you've, your body and your brain have mentally blocked that because it was upset. Rushing back. Exactly. Yeah. It, God only knows how that's going to have an effect on your health, your sanity for that matter. So the plan was to eventually work the memories back into their conscious mind once, you know, they were ready and, and Simon felt that they were ready. It would happen, I guess, as organically as possible if that was... Exactly. Exactly. An option. Exactly. So Barney was the first to be hypnotized. Under Simon's care, Barney recalled that the, bino the binocular strap broke when he hauled ass back from the UFO to his car. So remember, he was hauling butt. He was running, yeah. Yep, and he, he must have snapped it. He also remembered driving away in a mad dash to get away from the craft. But he also recalled feeling an irresistible urge to pull over to the side of the road and drive into the woods. Which all aligned with what exact, you know, actually happened. And he reported during his consciousness. So he remembered all of this under hypnosis as well. Barney also anxiously stated that the car had stalled and three men-like figures approached him and the leader had told him to close his eyes. Barney said, quote, I felt like the eyes had pushed into my own eyes, end quote. For Barney, the eyes of these beings were all that he could think and talk about during one of the sessions. He said that the eyes of the men were just pressing into his own eyes, which is kind of creepy. I mean, I don't know what these fuckers look like, but, you know, if you imagine an alien and I don't know what they could do to push your own eyes. I mean, that's just kind of freaky. I mean, pressure or something. I don't know. Barney relayed that he and Betty were taken into the craft and then separated. Which, if you recall, is, bet, you know, what Betty remembered in her dreams as well. 
So Barney was led to an exam table where he continued to close his eyes. A cup-like device was placed over his genitals. That's why he had to check his balls when he got done. Right. And he believed sperm was extracted. He doesn't think he reached orgasm, but somehow they extracted sperm. Um, The men also... There's little E.T. Barneys running around somewhere. You don't know. Um, My question, though, would be... An alien from a gazillion million thousand light years Here's, away. Mm-hmm. How, how do you know you got to like play with the balls to get reproductive fluids? But you don't know what, I mean. Or maybe you don't know what that thing is. So you just. Well, that's why they're doing examinations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're doing experiments. Exactly. So um, the men also scraped skin, um, which again, remember that happened to Betty is what, or is what she said happened to her. Um, and it and peered in his ears and mouth. The tube, um, a tube, was inserted into his anus and then quickly removed. There you go. Um, They're all about the butt. And someone also felt his spine and seemed to be counting his vertebrae. He also heard mumblings of a language he did not understand. So your question about language. Right. Um, while Betty had had a conversation with the so-called leader, remembered in, in broken English. So... Um, a few times that the men communicated with Barney, he seemed to be, he seemed to believe that it was through thought transference or, you know, telepathy. Yeah, telepathy. So he noticed that their mouths didn't move when they were speaking English. So I don't know if this was some kind of, like you said, telepathy, your mind translated it to English. I don't know how that works, but. After the examination, Barney recalled, um, while still being under hypnosis, being taken from the ship and escorted to his car. He remembered a light appearing on the road, and he screamed in fear, oh, no, not again, because I think he thought, oh, shit, they're going to come capture me again. Um, He recalled Betty's speculation that the light might have been from the moon, um, though the moon had set multiple hours prior. So he also attempted to reproduce the buzzing sounds that seemed to come from the trunk, but he wasn't able to do that. All in all, Barney's recollection of the event seemed to match most of what Betty had gathered from her dreams. Dreams in which Barney felt were ridiculous and nonsensical. Which I, you know, I, I find that funny. You go under hypnosis though, and he's like absolutely proving, you know, that her dreams were not crazy that those things actually happened to him. So now it's Betty's turn to be hypnotized. And interestingly enough, her recollection of the events were much like what she described in her dreams, but with some notable differences, mainly surrounding her abduction and release. Betty was very distressed when recalling the exam and even cried um, when recalling it during one of her hypnotic sessions. I so. I mean, uh, I probably would be crying the entire time. Shit, yeah. During one of the sessions, Simon gave Betty the suggestion to sketch out the the star map that you were mm-hmm. that we were just talking about, and that if you remember, the leader kind of pulled down something, some kind of you know map to tell her where they were for, um, from. And though the map Betty was shown had many many stars. Her drawing only consisted of 12 prominent stars connected by lines and three lesser ones that formed a distinctive triangle. And like I said, I'll post the pictures so everyone can see. 
but Betty said she was told the stars connected by solid lines formed what were called, quote, trade routes, um, whereas dash lines were to less traveled stars. So, which I find very interesting and detailed. Um, so yeah. in 1968, um, a lady by the name of Marjorie Fish of Oak Arbor, Ohio, read the un, un I'm sorry, the Interrupted Journey, and it's a book um, about B Betty and Barney's experience. Um, and she was at the time an elementary school teacher and very intrigued by the star map that Betty had drawn. She thought she might be able to decipher the star system because she was kind of an amateur astronomer as well. Assuming that one of the 15 stars represented, you know, in the in the picture, um, the Earth's sun, she constructed a three-dimensional model using thread and beads. Studying thousands of vantage points over several years, the only one that seemed to match Betty's map from the viewpoint of, you know, what she was looking at um, was a Zeta Reticuli. Um, which is about 39 light years away from Earth. Um, and this opinion um, has been shared in, in a lot of articles and magazines. Um, one in particular, which was in the, um, it was a magazine called Astronomy back in 1974. So I don't know what Zeta Reticuli has on it, if it's anything. Obviously, it's a star, but, you it's know, <clears throat> it's a. Reticuli? <laughs> Reticuli. Reticuli. What is did I? Reticuli. Like. Oh. <laughs> I think that they're... Look at Aiden trying to correct my, my, my English. I think they're... Um, just the rec how they're recalling yeah. everything. I just... I don't think they've made this up. I really think this happened to them. I know. I Well, I definitely feel like they think it happened. Um, I don't understand their motivation if it were to fabricate right. this. I mean, exactly. They don't seem like people who want to be in the spotlight. They weren't. Yeah, they so, absolutely, they were very quiet people. Right. So, you know, after all um, was said and done, um, Simon concluded that Barney's recollection of the UFO encounter was probably a fantasy inspired by Betty's dreams. Because Betty had these dreams, you know, obviously before the hypnosis took place. But Barney dismissed Simon's conclusion, finally accepting for himself that he had been, you know, abducted and examined by aliens. Um, Simon, in truth, never discounted the events he felt, um, and, and nor did he feel like they made the story up. He felt that they were, you know, definitely just honest people. And, and so it's, it's hard to say whether or not it actually happened. But um, Barney and Betty, you know, did finally go back to their normal lives. And while they were willing to discuss what happened to them, they never sought to gain financially from their experience, ever. Um, it wasn't until October 25th, 1965, that the Boston Traveler printed a front-page story about their abduction. It seems that a reporter, his name was John Luttrell, um, I think I pronounced that Luttrell. Luttrell maybe was provided a copy of an audio tape recording of the lecture the Hills had given about their experience. And he had taken that and kind of, you know, he found out that they had been under hypnosis and thought the public should draw their own conclusions about what had happened. Um, what it do, did do was secure a book deal with the writer, um, John G. Fuller, who actually wrote the interrupted journey, um, that Marjorie, 
the chick who put the star map together um, had read because he had also put a picture of, you know, the star map in there. Um, the book was a big success and it brought into the forefront a question that we, you know, still ask to this day, you know, is there intelligent life on other planets? Uh, sadly, Barney died of a cerebral hem hemorrhage not after, not long after the book was published at the age of 46. So he was really young, yeah. um, you know, when he died. Betty went on to become a celebrity in the UFO community and died of cancer on October 7, 2004 at the age of 85. And, and she never remarried. Um, that was her one true love. Um, there are many explanations, arguments, and debates about what the Hills actually experienced the night of September 19th. Some professionals believe that, you know, the abduction was really just a hallucination brought on by stress of being an interracial couple in the early 1960s. Oh, that's a reach. I think that's, yeah. A, yeah, that's, that's a, a stretch. bullshit reach. Yeah. Um, Betty called BS on that, yeah. um, on that theory, saying that she and Barney were extremely happy and there were really no notable problems with them being interracial. Um, it was also said that Betty wasn't able to tell the difference between a landed UFO and a streetlight during an outing with uh, a UFO enthusiast John Oswald, uh, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, abductee stories help psychiatrists understand the human brain and its defects, along with the weakness inherent in memory and firsthand accounts, according to Christopher French, who was a psychologist specializing in human experience related to the paranormal. He states, quote, what we hear and see, especially under less than ideal observational conditions, can be heavily influenced by our prior beliefs and expectations, end quote. I, I believe that. Yep. I, I, me too. For Betty and Barney, the experience was real, yeah. needless to say. Uh, to those of us listening, we'll likely you know, always just be that listeners. I don't know that any of us are going to be abducted anytime soon. Oh, um, the chances of getting abducted by aliens are slim to none. That would set me off. The, I mean, I'd go off the rails. Off I would the officially rails. be like, I'm done. I'm done. Sell my house, sell my car, I move in with my mom and my dad. I'm not kidding. I'd be done. <laughs> if, if I get abducted by aliens and, and have a story like that, done. I know, but think about how awesome totally writing a book. I mean, I'd be rich. Right? But... I've been done after that. Back. Like, no. You'd just be crazy. You can't even talk. Have you been abducted by aliens? Get the fuck out of here. Get, yeah, leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> well, you could probably find some sketch lawyer to try to sue the aliens for you. There too. you go. Now that's... I did not consent. That's right. I didn't ask to get poked in the butt. I mean... <laughs> right. So... Uh, we have laws on this planet. Right? So what, we need to come to our own conclusions as to whether or not Betty and Barney's experience really happened. I, for one, have never had a UFO sighting, um, and it's not for lack of looking. I've, you know, maybe I saw one and brushed it off as being a shooting star. Who knows? Nevertheless, I have nothing to share, but we do have Ed here um, who has had a UFO sighting. Um, and I, you know, I want Were you probed in the butt? Or was this no, just I a sighting? I left the soap laying on, on the deck of the spaceship. So, Ed, um, now that we've had our story, yeah. let's, why don't you tell us um, a, little about what, a little bit about what you did in your former life and your experience 
experiences with UFOs. So go well, for I, it. I'll be happy to relay my experience. Uh, so tell us what you did first. I, I got to build up to this. This is a great story. Okay, oh gosh. Uh, okay, here we go. I grew up in the mountains of northeast Georgia, and he, ever since I was a kid, I was always fascinated by UFOs. I spent many a night laying out in the damn cow pasture with my buddies looking at the stars trying to figure out if we're going to see a flying saucer or not. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. It was. Did you uh, um, have any of those shrooms while you were hanging out in the cow pasture? No, just some cow turds. <laughs> uh, the cows eat, eat the mushrooms and it ferments and you eat the cow turd. Uh, <laughs> so Maybe anyway, fast forward, uh, I left the mountains and went off and got educated at Georgia Tech and uh, landed in the United States Navy flying the F-14 Tomcat. So he is a true Top Gun. I am a Top Gun graduate. Mm-hmm. I graduated Top Gun. Uh, I am Tom Cruise's hero. Uh, he's mentioned me many times. I'm just kidding. That's uh, right. <laughs> so I was in the, my early days of learning how to fly the Tomcat, and I was at Oceana Naval Air Station in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And uh, I was at the tail end of the program, the F-14 program, before I got to the fleet. And uh, a buddy and myself were in our trusty Tomcat about 2 o'clock in the morning off the coast of Virginia, conducting what's called a night dick around. Uh, you cannot draw any conclusions about that. Uh, I was going to say, is night dick around? That's like the, a day dick around, but it happens the, at night. It's the technical term? Yeah, they also made a porn movie, Burt Reynolds, in it called Night Dick Around. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, uh, we were out there for a specific reason to burn fuel down so we could go conduct the mission that we were going to be doing that night. So about 100 miles off the coast of Virginia uh, in one of the op areas and about 25,000 feet, just literally just enjoying the view because you can see a gazillion stars at 25,000 feet that you can't see when you're on the surface of the earth because of the atmospheric interference and ambient light. So... We turned inbound, uh, inbound being coming east to west back toward the coast. And I, yeah, don't get too technical. I'm not. I'm <laughs> not. We turned around. <laughs> and uh, I turned around uh, and was headed back toward the coast. And uh, in my rearview mirror, which, yes, we have a rearview mirror in the F-14. We actually have three of them. Uh, I saw a red light between the tails. Uh, it looks sort of like an anti-smash light from another aircraft. And any uh, smash Any collision. You, you have any collision lights on aircraft. Uh, oh, so okay. you know you're tail. not going to run right, right into you, okay, gotcha. you have a You have a red strobe that flashes all the time. It, it has to be on. Bumper lights. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, and, and how far up are you in the air at this point? Uh, we're about 25,000 feet. 25,000 feet. Yeah, that's, okay. that's about four nautical miles. Okay. So I saw this, this light in the rearview mirror in between the tails. And Tomcat's a twin tail, if y'all aren't familiar with what F-14 is. And I knew we weren't supposed to have any any company out there so when you say company uh, other aircraft other aircraft we had the whole op air to ourselves okay and plus you have flight following from from oceana that will warn you that you know you got traffic to 10 miles or whatever so i'll tell you all about what's going on the radar guys so well we turned around and my buddy fired up uh the f-14 radar which is a pretty fine piece of equipment and we picked up this object which by now looked like a, a about a six-inch red softball up in the sky. Got a radar hit on it, and it was coming toward us. Well, it was about it was 100. If I remember right, about 115 miles away uh, at almost 100,000 feet, coming at us at about 2,000 knots. So it was hollow nice. Okay, I was gonna say I don't know what 2,000. Okay, that's knots about 2,200, 2,300 miles it's an hour. It's moving ass. It's, it's hollow Yeah. Okay. And so we had more fuel to get rid of, so we decided, hell, we're gonna go see what the hell this is. So we started the climb profile, which is a magic way that you get higher in the air. And, and I, okay. 
accelerate it close to out the Mach, well, close to the speed of sound. And so we're hauling ass too. Uh, we got within about 40 miles of it and the light just turned around and started the other way. I mean, it literally just took off the other way. So it was probably afraid that you were chasing it. Maybe. I don't know what goes through the mind of an alien at two in the morning. So there's no <laughs> telling what it thought. Uh, so the light, this, this glob just, and it still looks like a softball. I mean, the perspective, the geometric perspective from 110 miles to 40 miles did not change. It didn't get bigger. It didn't get little. It stayed the same size. Oh, wow. To the, to the naked eye. Okay. So it suddenly just went the other way. And uh, so we said, well, screw it. We've had enough fun tonight and we'll go drink this away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we started back inbound. Well, my buddy turned around and looked behind us about, we got about 80 miles off the coast. And the damn light was back again. Oh, wow. So I said, fuck it. We're going to go find this thing this time. I'm not going to let whatever this is. And it could have been anything. Uh, but given the geometry and the acceleration and the amount of speed this thing was traveling, it was definitely not something that was publicly known. It, you know, you, you pick up stuff. Uh, I mean, this is the heart of the Cold War. So you pick up assets coming back from overseas. Uh, spy planes, SR-71, which is a high-flying fast airplane. Mm-hmm. Uh, you occasionally will get a radar hit on those things coming back, and you report them to the controller, and they say, don't worry, it's a friendly. Uh-huh. So, uh, Did you report this one? We called flight following um, the controller and said, hey, do you show any traffic out in our area? Uh, in a 50-mile radius of us, and uh, and the kid comes back and says, no, you got clean air. There's nobody out there. Did you... Well, I may be jumping ahead, um, but did you... Report it to... I'll get to that. Okay. Uh, okay. So anyway, we turned around and uh, started to try to chase this thing down. And after about 30, 45 seconds of, of accelerating toward it, it literally just sort of fizzed and it disappeared. Totally. I mean... Vanished? Not vanished. It just like in a streak of light, just went okay. up, oh, went so up and away. went up and away. Up and away. Yeah. Just yeah. Oh, wow. gone. Just, it was totally gone. And by now, we're a little... I mean, we're not dummies, you know, we're mm-hmm. flying a pretty high power airplane. So we obviously know what we're doing. And, uh, the cockpit conversation was, what the fuck was that? I, was like, <laughs> I bet so. Hell, I don't know. And then the very, next, very next statement, <laughs> very next statement from buddy was, you can't say a fucking word to anybody about this. I said, you're right. We can't. Why? Because well, okay. We were youngsters flying in 14. Yeah. Uh, we we're on the way to the fleet. And I mean, it's one of those were things. You, were you fucking around up there, like going too fast for mm. conditions or whatever? I don't know. <laughs> like no. I'd imagine you're. There ain't no speed limit up there. You're excelling, right? So you're you're moving a couple hundred, few hundred miles an hour. Uh, I think we got the airframe up to. I got the airframe up to about 509 knots. Yeah. Uh, so whatever you were chasing was way faster than you were. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you never. Well, we got we started back and we had to go complete. The mission we were supposed to be on doing that night, so we had to go back and do that. And we landed, went through the de- debriefed, and uh, we literally said, "Look, we 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 can't really say a lot about this because they're going to think we're fucking nuts and throw us out of the navy." Oh yeah, yeah. So oh really? You were that worried that somebody? Well, it's like I mean, think of the the story sounds like a crock of when, shit anyway. When, just when when, when was I that? recount, like, what year would you uh, say? It was uh, back when I was a lot younger than that. It was December 1983. All right, 1980. I'm sorry. Okay, so still probably I would imagine early enough where people would be super skeptical. Oh, I'm yeah. sure they would be. It's like no, you know, I, it's like you know you fuckers don't smoke weed before you go flying. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> That's would have been pretty much the reaction. Put the bong right? down. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So Put uh, the bong down. we got back, uh, and it was by now. It's like four in the morning 
uh, debriefed, and my buddy uh, and his wife lived in an apartment complex literally across the road from where I live. Mm-hmm. So we went back to my house and killed a half bottle of bourbon. Jesus. After the fact. After the fact. And we actually, about two or three days later, because uh, that was on a Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, depending on your perspective at the time, we were at the O Club, on that officer's club, that mm-hmm. Friday night, uh, which is a big Friday hangout for aviators and everybody that flew and wild women and everything else. And after a few beers and a few shots, uh, we finally talked to one of our instructors in the Tomcats and said, hey, man, let's, let, us, let me tell you what we saw. Oh, wow. And uh, he listened to the story, and I, I was totally waiting to get flamethrowed, you know, mm-hmm. you stupid little book. Uh, but no, and he looked at us and said, I've seen similar. Really? Yeah. He said, yeah, I've seen similar. Interesting. And I, and I said, okay, so it sounds like we're knucking futs here, but uh, that's why we haven't seen anything, because we don't want to be labeled as, you know, crazy, crazy idiots. And, and, sorry, did you say where you were at, like the state you were, where, where were you it's at? It's off the coast of Virginia. Okay, uh, okay. Yeah. If you take off out of Oceana, Oceana's in Virginia Beach. Yeah. And you just head due west. Right. Out over the ocean. There are two op areas out there. We're, we share it with the Air Force and Marine Corps. So, so. But that was my encounter. I've never been abducted by aliens. Uh, <laughs> I swear, I mean, I've known some wild women that would be classified as that. But, uh, but uh, do you, so do you think it was a ship? Do you think it was, um. Did you say a ship? Yeah, like an alien ship. What do you what do you classify? I would like to believe that was the case, yeah. but you know, I obviously fairly well educated in aerodynamics and the way this stuff works and the way aircraft sure. work. And the acceleration alone that this thing exhibited, there's no way a human body could could could, could live through that. It'd be way too much G force. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, they're going from. Where it was, particularly coming inbound at a couple thousand miles an hour, and all of a sudden turn around and going the other way, mm-hmm. there's, there's no way in hell you live through that. And it's, impo- it's aerodynamically impossible anyway. Yeah, you, you can't turn you, around that fast. You, it's going to take a wide, very wide turn radius. Yeah. You know, you got to slow down. Uh, even in the Tomcat, you know, mid radius turn at 300 knots, you pull seven Gs. Ugh. Uh, Which and would have me puking. And you don't normally go around doing that all the time. Right, right, right. No, but I. No, I guess that makes sense and to put it into perspective, well, like you, you said. It, it's if you look at the physics involved and the physiology yeah. and the and what it would do to a, a human what, what we know as a living entity, mm-hmm. uh, there's no way it'd survive. Yeah, I mean, I you think about mean like Princess Diana dying, where because she was she hit the wall so fast. Yeah, her, you know, the inside of her body, her body stopped, but her heart and vessels, you know, they kept moving. And yeah. I think she. Oh God. Yeah. Well, what's the body? There's more to that, right? No, like no, that's no, just very. It. So I, I would never... imagine it'd be but, the exact just, same uh, thing, right? Well, as a baseline, Ooh. uh, Sorry, at about eight G's, your heart starts compressing. Yeah. It, oh. It has to struggle to be able to pump blood. Okay. Uh, and even at, you know, I think the most I've ever sustained is about six and a half G's. Uh, even there, that's pulling blood out of your brain, so you start graying out. Oh, wow. So you'll, I mean, I've literally passed out from momentarily in the airplane. And when you relax the G-force and you come back to consciousness. So, <laughs> I, I, so you're talking about like some massive G-forces, right? No oh, This, this so, type of acceleration. I mean, think about, think about, um, well, you've, you've ridden this damn thing, the tilt or whatever that damn thing is at this fair where, yeah. you, where you get on the sliding platform and it yeah. goes faster and it pulls mm-hmm. you up. Or, or particularly one where it pins you up against the wall and the floor drops out from under you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're only pulling about four Gs right there. Yeah. And that hurts. And that makes bit. me sick to my... And there's a difference oh. between lateral and vertical Gs, too. I mean, right. your, your body can sustain 
lateral G's a lot more lateral G force than it can vertical G force. But if you're going to, to turn an object around, you're going to put uh, a vertical G force through your body. So do you think that there were there was anybody in it, or, or are you trying to say I, that I don't know people, whatever it was, was not human human like because. I personally don't be able believe to live that. Through that. I personally don't believe it was. I, I personally mm -hmm. don't believe it was. It belonged to any entity on, on the earth. Right. Uh, but if you think about the concept of flying saucers, and you mm -hmm. understand anything about aerodynamics and lift, mm -hmm. theoretically, you're dealing with technology that hasn't even been discovered anywhere. Well, earth. at least here. At least on Earth. Right. Right. It. I mean, you take an object like that, as described by these folks, that's. Uh, so uh, what's circular flying saucers or what they call it. Yeah. And this thing's slowly descending from mm -hmm. the vertical and there's no visible sign or thrust or anything else well, that this thing's sitting on or there's no sign of rotating wings or anything. Right. I mean, you're, you're talking about, for a lack of a better term, a Star Trek term, an anti-gravity machine, so to speak. Well, I was going to say, I mean, maybe they figured out that when you go round and round and round and fast at the same time, clearly that maybe the, the weight and the... Pressure is, is um, what is it? What am I? Dissipated. Dissipated. Distributed. Distributed. Thank you. That's what I was going to say. I don't know. I don't know, Chrissy. I don't know. All I can tell you is I know what I saw and, and yeah. uh, I know the flight characteristics I witnessed with my eyes and what we saw on our weapon system and, and it was not anything I've ever seen or seen since or seen that's, before. That's very interesting that story. That is a very interesting story. But you, I've, and there's some, I mean, they've just declassified a lot of Project Blue Book stuff. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, what's called HUD, uh, video, cockpit video mm -hmm. of F-18s chasing unknown objects. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And this thing is, you know, when you fly an airplane like that and you still use old fashioned stuff, like you take a canopy rail and you position this thing on the rail and you get a perspective of size, never changed. No matter how close that's, it was or far away it was, it was always the same size. That's very, that alone I find interesting. And no, we were not drinking that night, nor were we smoking weed or anything else. So <laughs> we were stone cold sober, sober. And we did have a pretty high butthole pucker factor the time we got back. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> butthole pucker. Well, thank you, Ed, for sharing your story. My pleasure. I we would love to hear um, other folks. Um, if you guys have any stories, if you have any, yeah, yeah, please reach out to us. Um, we're always interested in in the macabre, um, UFOs, whatever you want to call it. Yep, strangeness, any of it, any of it, yep, any of it. Facebook us or All email us. Um, we are Twitter here to listen. Us, Instagram us. Yep, something. Um, all right, so that's all I have for my story. Um, Remember, uh, this week coming, we'll have a story, which um, I think it's your turn, friend. Yeah, we'll be in Key West. Um, yeah, on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Yep. So um, our episode will be a little bit late, I guess, at that point. Um, well, I we'll guess be... we'll have to, well, yeah, we kind of see if maybe we can yeah. record it Sunday night. Um, yeah. Possibly. Yeah, because it'll be low-key night anyway. Yeah, so we'll we'll have to figure it out. But it'll yep. be definitely, if it's late, it shouldn't be yep. a week late. I'd imagine a few days. Right? Yeah, no. We appreciate everybody that, that hung on and listens to this one. Um, we're just trying to do a little revamping and growing pains is uh, a good thing. Yeah. So. Yep. All right. Well, I hope everybody has a great week. Um, if you see any UFOs, let us know.
tag us on the pictures and you post them on Facebook. Exactly. (laughs) Y'all have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. My voice cracked. Bye. 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 Say bye, Ed. Bye. See (laughs) y'all. Yes.